This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, here we go. The Midlife Mail Podcast. Greg Scheinman here with you today. Thank you so much for all the support. If you like what you hear on the program, please give us that five-star review. Help keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. This week, Tony Busby, Houston mayoral candidate Tony Busby, joins me. It's time for real change. That is the motto. It is something we talk about here all the time on the Midlife Mail podcast, helping men navigate middle age and achieve a better quality of life. In 1986, he earned an ROTC scholarship to Texas A&M, becoming the first in his family to attend college. In 1990, he joined the Marines, leading special operation units in both the Persian Gulf and Somalia. In 94, He ended his distinguished military career with the rank of captain. In 97, he graduated summa cum laude from the University of Houston Law Center. He hung out his own shingle in 1999 for his law firm, created the Busby Leadership Learning Center at Texas A&M in 2012. In 2013, was appointed to the Texas A&M Board of Regents. And in 2018, he announced his candidacy for the mayor of Houston. He is a decorated Marine, a successful lawyer, a business owner, philanthropist, and an agent of change. We get to talk to him now on the Midlife Mail Podcast. Here we go. Midlife Mail Podcast time. Super excited to be here this morning with my very special guest, Mr. Tony Busby. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's particularly timely to have you on this this morning. We are waking up in Houston after a big storm yesterday and a lot of flooding um, that we've become, I guess, all too familiar with. So I want to ask you, as as somebody in your position running for mayor right now, what's the last 24 hours been like for you? I'm worried about the future of the city of Houston. Uh, We are, we, I've had so many people who have texted me or messaged me and talk to me about why would we live here anymore and how are we going to convince people to come and live here because we're going to be branded as the city that routinely floods every time there's a tropical storm and there's multiple storms off the coast uh, as we speak. Uh, You know we knew Hurricane Harvey hit us in August uh, two years ago and we we pretended like that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but the truth was it's, it's, it, it wasn't. It's, we've had four storms like that in two years, and we're going to have to get serious. I mean, it, it, we, are at a, we are at a tipping point where we have to get serious and quit talking about flooding and quit talking about a solution and just actually start doing things. And it's going to cost us some money, but the entire future of the city of Houston, I think, depends upon it. Mm-hmm. Anything in particular... Also, that you've been watching, observing, seeing, even in just this 24-hour period, you go, I'd do that differently, okay? I'd look at this, I'd look at that. I I would say that we learned our lesson in Hurricane Harvey uh, as far as rescuing people. We do a, we do a, people say that that the city of Houston has a uh, flooding problem. We don't have a flooding problem. We flood very, very well. (laughs) I mean, we're at the top, we're at the top of that, right, okay? but I will say, we, we, it, yesterday yet, you know, I went out, uh, I have a 
very large truck I use for uh, for uh, parades, and there's a, a young man in this town, a young professional, who has this. Um, he started this this uh, nonprofit called Crowdsource Rescue, which is basically the Uber of of flood rescue, and it has become very very well known. Although the mayor of this town has never actually re uh, recognized him for the work that he did, he developed the the application, the software, mm -hmm. everything, and so basically it connects people that need help with people that are willing to help uh, in various areas across the town. And so uh, we're doing a much better job at the rescue part. We need to do a much better job at um, preventing the flooding in the first instance. Mm -hmm. Sh shifting gears, do you have a typical morning or daily routine that you go through? I, I used to when I was just, before I started um, running for mayor, I had a pretty typical routine. You know, I would get up um, about 7 a.m. I would uh, cook breakfast for my children, um, send them off to school. That was one of the things I really enjoyed doing was that was a, a good quiet time for me to spend time with my kids. And then I would meditate for 30, 40 minutes, uh, sometimes uh, exercise or walk, and then do a little bit of reading. And I would do that from, you know, after the kids left for school at 7.30 until probably going to the office about 9, 9.45. I would mix that up because I want to keep my staff guessing about when I was actually going to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of my morning routine. Uh, my evening routine, I typically would try to, uh, just for business purposes, try to meet somebody. Uh, I, I never went out to lunch. I'm not one of these people that would, uh, when I was... You know, before I ran for office, I would not put lunch with anybody. I would eat at my desk. But I would try to meet people after work uh, and before dinner uh, for an after-dinner drink just to stay in contact with the people that, that I did business with. So that was kind of my, my normal routine. Uh, also in those morning hours uh, when it's really quiet, you know, sometimes I would write poetry or, or uh, write in a journal. But I think it's really important for a professional to, um, to have those, those, you know, I think you, you really put a lot of, um, uh, in, in, your, in your mental bank, <clears throat> spending some quiet hours on your own. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do that in the gym. Like I know you, you do a lot of that. Uh, I like just to sit and, and write, and contemplate, think, uh, meditate. That, that for me is probably, you know, as, um, you know, I, <clears throat> when I was in the Marines, of course, the Marine Corps could take anything great and ruin it, you know. <laughs> You know, so so I was a, I was a Marine Corps diver. You know, a lot of people love to go diving in the Cayman Islands and all these places. And the Marine Corps ruined diving for me because they, you know, they they, they made it so difficult and they they made it so regimented. Same thing with with skydiving. The Marine Corps ruined that for me. Um, and so I can't even go out on a run. You know, like some of us, you know, used to go out on a leisurely run. The idea is you're able to run and still talk to your friend as you're running. You can't do that because in the Marines, you know, they push you so hard that. Anytime I go out and run, I have to run to almost failure. So for me, uh, whereas a lot of people, exercise is a good time to socialize and to, uh, to think and all that. For me, it's more of sitting in a chair and meditating and reading mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It makes, makes perfect sense. How has it changed, though? You mentioned, obviously, not running for mayor. We'll get into that a little bit more in a second. How has it changed since you decided to run for mayor? Yeah. Uh, out the window, trying to balance it still. Uh, it's hard to find any 
any any free time I get, I try to sleep. I mean, honestly, um, I, sleep has become such an important commodity to me right now. Um, used to, you know, I used to say sleep, you know, sleep is for the weak, and um, now I need as much sleep as possible <laughs> because when you're out meeting, you know, hundreds and 200, 300 people a day, it, it even though it doesn't seem like a lot, it takes a lot of mental energy mm-hmm. to do that. And so, um, you know, I, I don't get up until the last moment, and I go to sleep as, as soon as I possibly can. Uh, and and it'd be interesting to, to all the people, even people that worked with me or people that served me in the service when I would always criticize people, well, you don't need that sleep, you know. <laughs> now it's like that is, that is the one thing of all the things that I value is the ability to, to just get some rest. Are you a coffee guy? Like, no. there, do you need anything to? No, I, I quit. I quit coffee. I mean, I, maybe every now and again I'll do some coffee, but I'm, I'm not a regular coffee drinker. It's not something that I that really that I do. So as you're talking about this, and, and the schedule is, is grueling, and the commitment, and the mm-hmm. discipline, and everything that it takes, why do you want to run for mayor? Why do you do it? You don't have to. Yeah. I mean, you've well, hopefully, hopefully the people that are running for mayor. The people that we really want to be mayor are people that don't need that job. Don't you think those are the people mm-hmm. that would probably do the best job? Because if we if we become a society where the only people that are running for office are people that can't do anything else, then we got a real problem. And so, but it does take. I will say it does take a lot to uh, you know if you have a, a comfortable business, you have a comfortable lifestyle, to to put that aside and not just with your children, your family. But you know your business colleagues. You know they they also rely on you in a great degree, and so it impacts pretty much everybody in your life. And, and laying aside the fact that it impacts you because people attack you incessantly. Um, but I just see you know look 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 what happened yesterday. You know we've been talking about flooding in the city of Houston for all these years, and lit- and, and literally nothing has really gotten any better. And this is these are major impacts on people's lives. You know, people's livelihoods. On, on I mean, heck, there was a man that died in a van yesterday. Um, so, um, I, I think you know. I always say this. I've been attacked because, well, you're very successful, and now you want to go into, you want to go and become the mayor. My question is, what if, what if the that what if you had people that went into office of modest means and became successful because they were politicians? That would be the worst thing that could happen, and that's exactly what's happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it gets into the situation of kind of the the influence and the and the pay for play <coughs> and the awarding of contracts that All that, that I know you're passionate about mm-hmm. there too. Um, is that what kind of feeds you also? You know, the- yeah, I mean, I guess what feeds me is is um, is to see this this city is so diverse and so large, 660 square miles, and to see people's face light up when you say we're going to do this better. We're going to make sure that you you treated fairly. I have a real sense of in, in, inherent sense of justice, so that's what I like more than anything. I mean, of course, I like to ferret out frauds, and I like to to uh, put an end to the kind of thing you just re- referenced. And I'm going to really enjoy doing that. Um, but what I like the best is we had a campaign event the other day just for the volunteers, and the, we had two huge tables of people who could have volunteered, and, and many of which had never been engaged in a mayoral campaign ever, uh, but were really just excited about the city of Houston and excited about uh, our effort, and uh, that's very gratifying. 
what's the impact personally and, and, and internally with, yeah, you're getting the gratification and the looks on other people's faces and you're going out there and, and you're doing this. What's the impact on your own family? And, and do you discuss that with them prior yeah. to making these decisions, your kids and, and how yeah, and I, you I, approach that? Yeah, the, the thing I worry about the most is all the, the negative attacks that, that, that have come and will come. But I'm really, really close to my children. I'm very, very close. So um, they're, they're pretty good about it. You know, I've been in the public eye for a long time. It's not like you know this is the first time that people have reported about me or whatnot. So uh, they're pretty used to people taking shots at me. But I do kind of you know prepare them like, hey guys, I you know prepare yourself for this or prepare. And my kids are so loyal and close to me that it's like you know whatever comes comes, and you know it doesn't impact their view their view on me. There's another issue that, that I'm sure you may reference is, you know, financially, this is very, very, I mean, this is a hit on you financially. Because, you know, every other candidate out there is running on somebody else's money. And, you know, it's financed by somebody else. And I'm financing this whole effort. Like, where we're sitting right here, I'm paying for that. Every person you see here, well, there's some volunteers, obviously, but all the paid staff I'm paying for, uh, my kids sometimes say, Dad, you know, what, what, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, the TV time costs money. It costs money to get your message out there. Uh, hopefully the message resonates. But, but to beat somebody like, like a, a mayor who raises 100000 a month on average from other people's money, that's, that's an expensive. And so it's not only money coming out of my pocket, but it's time away from my business where I could be, Mm -hmm. You know, trying to trying to earn a living, um, that's something that that you know people I don't think people think about. Uh, but as far as the impact on my my family, you know, my mother, my my sister, my children, we're as I mean we're as close as you know as tight as I could squeeze that fist. I don't really I mean they know that that any attack on me is uh, they they they'll defend me to the death. I noticed the great ad with your mother and, yeah. and your sister and on your site, which I was gonna, I'm glad you said that because it was on my, my list of things to, to ask you about. Um, outside of family, who's in the circle? How tight is your circle? You know? is my circle's pretty, my <laughs> circle's pretty, yeah, my circle's pretty tight. You know, I, I you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm, I keep my cards close to my vest. I mean, I have, of course, friends and people that I, I seek counsel from and, a lot of people that seek counsel from me, but but as far as you know, for me, it's family. That's where it starts, and pretty much where it ends. Mm -hmm. you, you were talking about the the financial ramifications and aspects of, of taking on like this. What is your relationship with money, and how has it changed throughout your life from where you come money from a, to where you yeah, are now? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, if if I if I woke up tomorrow and had no money. I know how to go make money, so it wouldn't be the end of my world. Um, you know, of course, I have a lot of accoutrements of, you know, the, the trappings of money, um, but none of those things really mean a whole lot to me. Um, you know, I could live in a, a one of those, you know, micro houses just as happily as I live in the house I live in now. Um, so uh, material things to me aren't... You know, I like to eat a nice meal. Um, I like to drink nice wine. But if I had to drink water, 
I'd be happy to drink water. I mean, I, I was a Marine. I, I could I, I sat, uh, lay on a beach for seven days in a row without moving, you know. So, I mean, <clears throat> I could, if I had to sleep on the floor every day, that'd be fine too. Um, so it's nice to have all those things, and some people, like, really chase those things. But I don't really, you know, some, there have been times in my career because it helped got, get business that, you know, you would flaunt those kind of things. But the truth was, I really didn't care about them. Mm -hmm. uh, what I care about is my relationship with my kids, my mother, my sister, my closest friends, uh, and making sure that when I shave my face and look in the mirror that I feel good about myself. Um, but as far as, yeah, I mean, I, my dad was a butcher, okay? Mm -hmm. My mother was a cafeteria worker. We had nothing. Nobody had ever been to college. I wanted to get out of my little 1,300-person town. Uh, I was able to do that. And, but um, the truth be known, you know, I, I don't, none of that, none of those things are really in the, in my scheme of life are that important to me. Where did the, the goals list, meeting the dismal again, to kind of, I'm going to get out of the town, I'm going to go here, and then the decisions to mm -hmm. joining the Marines, go to law school. I mean, you set your goals, mm -hmm. kind of your plan in motion pretty early. Yeah. Where did that come from? That was just probably just blind luck, to be honest. I mean, because if you think about where I was to do those kind of things, probably was probably a little ambitious, like over ambitious. But for whatever reason, it worked out. Um, but um, yeah, I've always been that kind of person to to be a goal setter. You know, they there's, they say there's three types of people. There's the people that set no goals at all, okay, and they usually accomplish not very much. And then people that set goals in their head but they don't write them down they accomplish some things and then the people that that not only set goals but write them down because now they've committed themselves on paper to something that that strikes you in the face every time you read it and so i did that and i, I look back at some of the goals because i have a bunch of little note cards of goals that i've set over set over the years some of them are so silly i mean just silly little things um but others were like wow you know, look at that. We 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 accomplished that. Um, and there's a few more that are still on the list that that I know I know they're sitting in my desk drawer right now in my study, and we'll see what happens. Is there a book in the in the future? Are we? Yeah, are we but I in a book. Somebody of, wrote a book about me two or three years ago, and I kept asking him like, "Why are you writing?" I mean, I'm I'm like in the middle of my career. I mean, it's, it's way too early to write any sort of book about me. And eventually, I'm I want to write my own book about myself once I feel like I have enough wisdom that maybe something I can impart to somebody that's that's worth reading, but I don't think I'm there yet. So you said I'm middle of career. Mm -hmm. And you call this the midlife male, you know, podcast. Yeah. How old are you if you don't mind me? Fifty one. Okay. So is this the really the middle? Is this still part of the beginning? You know, how are you approaching I think life we're we're getting at, near the, the I think we're getting near the middle. We're getting close to the middle. I mean, I don't know how long, you know, none of us know how long we were given to live. Um, you know, all the, you know, the early success I had, I, I was very, very fortunate. I had a lot of early success, like phenomenal success at a very, like in my 30s. And so I've been living with that for 20 years. Well, actually 20 years, you know, because I think 31 is when I really started really killing it. And so all those things we were talking about, you know, 
material things and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know, traveling, you know, all that stuff. Been there, done that. None of that really motivates me anymore. Now I'm thinking more about legacy, you know, change, you know, uh, uh, real change, uh, the, you know, more big picture, long-term things. So, yeah, I still think I'm middle of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about what's going to happen next. So what is good? So when you win, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, what do you do? Like, what do you foresee happening like, the, ne- the next day? Like, what are you visioning? Because you seem to really have that open mindset, that growth mindset oh, yeah. that, hey, we're going to do things. We're going to do this. We're going to make a splash. We're gonna make a splash. We're gonna when people start talking about the great cities of, of uh, the United States, they're gonna mention Houston. They're gonna talk about Houston every time they talk about. It. They just came out with a. I saw in the Houston Business Journal this morning. Um, as far as the real estate market, Austin's number one. Houston is number what sixty. I mean, why is that? I mean, Bob, Dallas is number five, and I'm talking about of the entire United States. Um, why is that? We're going to do better than that. We're going to we're going to make sure that every list there is, we're on the top. I mean, that's how I am. I mean, that's how that's the kind of mindset I've had. Why don't why doesn't why doesn't Michelin come down here and, and raid our restaurants? I'm going to make that happen. You know, we have some of the best restaurants in the country. I, I would say second only to at this moment Brooklyn right now. Mm-hmm. We have some great restaurants, but you know, we we have James Beard, of course. But why doesn't Michelin raid our restaurants? Um, that's just small things that, that you know the current mayor would never think about because he didn't understand any of it. You know, why why is our art scene, which I know is really really super, not included in the conversation? You know, um, and, and I know these are arts and and food and stuff, but these are the things that that, that provide um, uh, you know the, the fabric of mm-hmm. when you're in your life, you know, everyday living, and then. You know, I, I hate to keep talking about this flooding thing, but it is so weighing on my mind. We're doing a press conference here at 2 o'clock about, you know, a, a new plan for flooding and what we're going to do. You know, I am not going to allow Houston, Texas to be pigeonholed into the place that floods. Mm-hmm. Not going to allow that. You know, enough of the press conferences, enough of the, you know, oh, we're going to give people hugs. We're going to fix this problem and, and push this city forward. We should be, we should be in the southwest we should be the leader of technology and innovation right here we're the energy capital we have the largest medical center these are the things i'm focused on of course and we talked about corruption and i've talked about it you know pay to play mm-hmm. you mentioned it there's a lot of contracts and i'm going to stand on the steps of city hall probably either the day i get sworn in or maybe the day after and cancel them just cancel the contracts and just watch all the rats run um, we're gonna we're gonna do something different, Houston. I mean, the people, the, the government of City of Houston has let this, the people down. Our people are incredible. I've met, what do you think, 25,000, people over the last eight months. We've taken probably 20,000 pictures with people. Sh- uh, knocked on 125,000 doors. Mm-hmm. I know the people of City of Houston. We have, we have some of the great people in the United States, and it's time that the government is. Uh, represents them in the right way have you always had this level kind of, of confidence of I don't I'm just getting this it's like you don't really care what what people think you're just gonna go do it no, you're, either, you're with me you're fine I mean I care <clears throat> obviously and I want to lead but 
I have these values, I have these positions, I have this take charge and attitude, and I'm going forward. You're either with me, with me or not. And if there's well, enough of them, they're voting yet. Right? Yeah, well, I think we I think we're really good about building coalitions. I mean, I think people, you know, we try to speak to, because because I believe that that there are so many more things that unite us than divide us, and and politi- what politicians try to do is find reasons how to divide us. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. I don't have any interest in that. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, I don't what, what I don't know what if I were to label myself, I don't know what how I would even figure that out. And so I don't fool with that stuff because all that does is give us a reason to argue with each other. What I'm saying is, hey, look, if you have a good idea about how we can do something about flooding, please come forward because we're going to fix this problem. You know, if you if there's if you have an idea about how I can get Michelin down here to rate, rate our restaurants, come. Otherwise, I'm going to New York and I'm going to make it happen myself and come with. You know, somebody, there's been so many people that said, well, you know, this issue, that issue. And I said, well, why don't we just go talk to them? Because that's what I do. I'm good at that. I can go talk directly to people and 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 deal with the issue. And I don't I don't spend any time trying to figure out like, oh, what is that person? Is 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 he Republican? Is he Democrat? Is he liberal? Is he Libertarian? Is he Green Party? Is she this? Is she? I don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see on our team that we are just a coalition of people that care about the city of Houston and feel like that we can make Houston. You know, I don't know why Houston. It's the largest city in Texas. Probably after the next census, if everybody gets counted, probably the third largest city in the country. Mm-hmm. Why are we fall? Why are we falling behind? We shouldn't be, and we're not going to be. How do you approach setbacks? Like, like failures, bumps, bumps in the road. Oh, I curl up like a little baby. <laughs> I'm curled up in a fetal position and suffer through it for about six or eight hours. And then, like, all of a sudden, my internal, you know, you know, each of us has a, you know, something that motivates us on the inside. And then I just, like, snap out of it and keep on going. I'm not a guy that gets depressed. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm really honestly not a person that worries too much. I mean, I, I may worry and make jokes about it. Uh, I like humor. But um, but I just keep on plugging. I figure that the best thing to do is just keep on going forward. And things have always, for me, worked out. And so I have that innate sense that a positive optimism that things will work out. So I just keep on going. I just want to backtrack a little bit um, to, to the Marines. What was your, what was the impetus to join the Marines? Well, I was going to join, I had to join the military because I had to get my college paid for it. And so if I'm going to join any group, I'm going to join the, the, the toughest one there is. So you kind of reversed engine, reverse engineered, I got to get my college paid for right. What are my options to get college paid exactly. for? Exactly. Okay. So I had no, I had no, nobody in my family had been to college. I had no institutional knowledge in my family about how to get to college, financial aid, any of those things. And so the easy way for me was going to the military, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, even in the Marines, you know, I, there's all kinds of Marine occupational specialties that you can go into. I went into the infantry, which I had, I finished first in my class in the, in the Marine, initial training, so I could have went to any, but I chose the infantry, and then of course, from the infantry, um, I, I went into a reconnaissance unit, which is an even more elite unit. That's just how, that's just kind of the, my mentality. 
which is, you know, I think is going to be a good, when we talk about how Houston is going to, how we're going to succeed in Houston, that's kind of the same pathway, which is we are going to succeed, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and the funny thing to me is, and I, the, the, the great thing is that I think there's so many people here, two right, sitting right here, um, who feel the same way, that we, there's no reason why Houston shouldn't be the top city of the United States. So it sounds like I may, may have ruined running and, and skydiving and and, and, uh, and, and oh, scuba diving for you. And mountain, but, and mountain climbing. They ruined mountain climbing. They ruined, uh, I'll tell you, they also ruined, I did mountain warfare school. We did cross-country skiing. They ruined that too. Um, we'll see what else they ruined. Um, of course, they, I, you know, they ruined running for me. Um, but, yeah, pretty much. But and the, swimming. I can't even sw- leisurely swim. I have to almost kill myself. But the positive takeaway yeah, yeah. from a leadership standpoint right. and from a be the best at what you do, and if you're going to commit to something, it, they, we're, they we're did a good be, job for that. They did, yeah. they did a good yeah. job for yeah. that. I will give them credit for that. So how did you determine where you were going to go to school? Now you get it paid for. You come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to, my, my, uh, I was married at the time, and my wife's family lived in Galveston, and so um, I, we, Houston, it was either going to be University of Houston or South Texas, and I was in University of Houston, so I wanted to come to Texas, of course. Mm-hmm. And the decision to become an attorney? Mm-hmm. That was a financial decision, completely. Um, you know, I, I, I thought about staying in the, I had considered, of course, being a lawyer, but but to, to try to earn money with my skill set, the lawyer route was the best route. You know, I think each of us has a, have a highest and best use, and that thought that was probably mine. Mm-hmm. Did it meet your expectations? Exceed them? I mean, obviously you've been wildly successful mm-hmm. in in law. Uh, did you waver on that ever, or did you no. like, okay, this is maybe lucrative, but no, no, because the, the best things we did were changing corporate practices. It wasn't, you know, getting a big paycheck. It was like um, Centerpoint Energy retrofitted 800,000 light poles that prevented kids from being electrocuted. Or um, an offshore company removed all the asbestos out of its vessels. Or another offshore company put in guards to prevent, um, there was an intern that was found crushed and killed in a winch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, just the, the, the there was a topless bar that um, refused refuses now to hire anyone uh, below the age of 21, and so I have a long and I've never even kept track of them. Those are just ones off the top of my head of all these corporate practices that we have been able to change uh, through the litigation process that you could have never changed through the legislative process. Um, and of course, there were. There was money paid in each of those issues, in each of those cases, but I think the proudest thing was either where a corporate CEO sends an apology to a widow mm-hmm. uh, or, or here's our new corporate policy and it's because your son didn't die in vain. Those kinds of things probably were the most, for me, what kept me motivated about continuing to do that work, uh, not just you know, getting another, getting another check. Mm-hmm. You talked about Michelin coming down here and rating the Wouldn't rest of it. It would be awesome. I mean, not, you know, my wife and I and, and our whole family, we are 
big foodies, yeah. big into hospitality, personally as well as as, as professionally, um, and have watched the scene evolve you know, over the last 10 years in, in particular also. Um, and you also said it's either here or Brooklyn, and I'm a native, native New Yorker, so well, I'm going to ask know, you, okay. The New York food scene right now, Brooklyn is kind of a hot, as far as food, yep. is hot. I mean, West Village is good, but Brooklyn is mm-hmm. kicking it. It, it. it is certainly over there. So, okay. So if you're going, but if you're here now, okay, and Michelin's coming down, where do you take them? I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna, I'm gonna take them to. I'm not gonna just take them to one place because that would be unfair. Um, I'm not gonna take them to traditional Texas steakhouse because they've seen and they've been there, done that. I mean, Mastros is in New York City, so I'm not doing that. I'm gonna take them to Real first. You know Real? I know Real very well. I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned it. Working. Uh, Working on their business right now, I'm gonna take them <laughs> and they just placed number one in the on the culture they map. They did. Uh, I'm gonna take them Michelle's place and uh, uh, Ryan's place, and then I'm gonna take them. I'm gonna take. I, I wish I could bring them down here during crawfish season, because I would do uh, the the, the, the uh, what's it called crawfish and uh, crawfish and noodles. That one? Yeah, I okay. would take them mm-hmm. there because that's very very unique. Um. I'd take them to our sushi places, but I think we have great sushi. I think MF Sushi, I think Kata Rabata, I think they're really great restaurants. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Michelin would, would be as excited about them as they may be about some of the places in New York, so the, the sushi places in New York City, because they're completely different the way they do sushi. Hmm, let me think of something that's... Um, I think I'd take them to some of our pho places, mm-hmm. you know, and some of our ramen places. I mean, I know there's ramen in New York City, and I know there's pho in New York City, but I would... I have. I probably could put together a list of 25 places, and take them around, and just give them a sense. You know, I take them to Hugo's, of course, because mm-hmm. Hugo's is routinely recognized as as a, one of the great. I'm not. It's not my favorite place, but a lot of my friends love Hugo's and love mm-hmm. that kind of food. Um, but I probably put together a list of 10 to 20 restaurants and take them around and give them a good sense. I'd probably take them to BCN just because I love the bar scene there. Um, and I'd take them around and try to convince them to... Yeah, I mean, the amazing thing now is that it is hard to pick even a handful. You know, from, no, from there's where, so many. From that's the, that's where my point. Come. I mean, it's become yeah. so diverse and the talent level has become so wide, you know, throughout the city, whether it's in Chinatown, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's Indian food, whether it's Pakistani, whether our burger scene has improved. And 10 years ago, we didn't have the three or four sushi places right. that you even just mentioned now that we have a really high level and you got to choose one yeah. that's on par with with other cities yeah no I'm, and, and um, you know I know Michelin the biggest thing is consistency 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 you know every eating experience should be the same each time but I think we have that ability I think we have that you know and I didn't mention I didn't even mention you know um, some of the, the, the folks here in town that are considered the very very best mm-hmm. you know? um, I was just talking about the ones that I like to go to yep um, but yeah, I'd love to bring them down here and get them engaged. Well, we got a project. Then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes a huge difference as far as tourism too. No, no. Because food tourism is big. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, the wider spread talent that you can expose people to and get them down here and see it as a destination yeah. that they could really enjoy yeah. uh, and, and get deep into the city uh, is tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous agree. value. Agree what bugs you? What, what's your What's your pet peeve? Uh, hyperpartisanship really bugs me. Uh, people attacking me because they think of who I am and they don't have any idea of anything about me. That bugs me a bit. 
uh, people that tailgate, <laughs> people that, that don't stand in line to merge, but they try to go around and then they kind of bust in. <laughs> that bugs me. Do you like to drive or do you like to be driven? I no. don't like to drive. I, I, because of, especially now, I mean, back, back when, um, before I started running for office, I would drive sometimes, but, but one of the great luxuries I have is, is I don't have to drive, and I, honestly, on these roads in the city of Houston, they're so <laughs> terrible. I, I'd prefer to ride. So that's high on the list, okay? Yeah, I mean, I think most people will tell you that, that um, not being able to drive in this city, this city, driving adds a lot of stress on your life. How do you prioritize things? I'm sure you could be sitting in the back of that, of that Suburban, driving around, and you hit a pothole, and now boom, is that, that's the first thing I want to fix. And then you look over here and you want to fix How do you prioritize? I think I, think I do it based on what people expect. Um, after some, some event like this, hey, this is a fourth time I went back to this, but after things like this, I think people are going to, I think you're going to see a groundswell of people demanding action on flooding. They want to, they're going to want to see some action because we've had enough of this. And then on top of that, it's, it's the core services, public safety, you know, making sure that our fi- we have firefighters that respond in a timely manner, that we have police department that keeps our city safe. <coughs> I think that you know, um, road maintenance is obviously very important, picking up the trash on time. I mean, these are not sexy things, mm-hmm. but these are the things that the mayor um, sw- swears that, that he or she is going to do. Our mayor has been a complete failure at these things. We're going to do the easy things right, and then we're going to start focusing on some of the things we've been talking about, and then talking about where do we want to be in five years, 10 years, 25 years, and talking about our, our goals for the city of Houston and what do we want to be known for. We never even get a chance to talk about any of those things. Because mm-hmm. all we're talking about is are we going to flood again? Or when is the next drive-by shooting? Or, you know, you know, we can't drive down the road without a pothole blowing out our tire. Mm-hmm. Can you turn it off also? Like, is there a way for you to detach, to go home? Again, you talked about meditation a little bit at the beginning, but can you put the phone down or the TV off and say, okay. No. (laughs) No. It's like, don't even finish the sentence. The answer's no. No. Okay. Not until until the end of the runoff on December 14th. Mm -hmm. And then I will. Okay. Fair. I mean, I'm a Marine on a mission. Fair. We got a hill that we have to take. Fair enough. So, if I asked you about, you know, the books that are on the bedside, are they not getting re- they're not getting read right now? Okay. Briefly, mm-hmm. I mean, every now and then, um, I will read a snippet of this book or that. But the truth is, you know, right now it's every now and then. If I get a chance to sit down without being in bed, I might meditate a little bit. But to have the mental energy to to, I think I did. Let me try to think. I did read a book. I used to read a book a week, on average, um, and I did read a book recently. I'm trying to—I can't remember what it was. There's so many—we have so many people coming at us so hard that I can't even remember the name of it. But I did read a book a couple of weeks ago um, when I had a you know a day or so to, of downtime. But um, nah, I'm not—I'm not in the book reading mode right now. You are now constantly dealing with press conferences, media, people coming at you. What are you waiting for somebody to ask you that, they, that you just never get asked? Is there something you're sitting there going, I, you know what, they ask me these things all no. the damn time and I want to be asked? Nothing, honestly. I'd prefer they not ask me nothing. 
just want to tell them what I want to tell them. <laughs> so Sometimes don't ask, to, I'm going to tell. Yeah, I'm going okay, to tell we'll them. Here's what I need to tell you because this is what I think, you know, based on my experience. And uh, I think we have a very unique perspective. I think we have a unique perspective that, that very few people in this city right now have uh, because I don't think there's anybody that has met as many people in this city over the last nine months than us. In fact, I bet there's nobody that has. Um, and has knocked on so many doors. And, and even though I may have not knocked on any, every one of those doors, I have a report of every single day of what people have said when they're asked, what are you concerned about? What would you like to see? This and that. So I have a, a compilation of not only my personal experience, but our team's experience. And I read it every single day. And then on our website, there's a, there's a site that says, or there's a link that says, if you were mayor, what would you do? And I read those every single day. So I got a really good sense of this city right now. Uh, probably, I would say probably no one else has that sense at this moment. Um, and I'm excited about it. Do you play the numbers and the percentages, and how do you compare that also with your kind of personal interests and passions? Have you um, you know, we, we're, we're data driven. You know, I don't, I don't just go out and think, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I want to be realistic and practical. But we're perfectly positioned right now, I think. We're looking good. What's the deal with the shark? Oh, the shark here? <laughs> um, as, you know, the, the, the joke is that lawyers are sharks. Mm -hmm. And so if lawyers are sharks, then I'm the great white. <laughs> <laughs> so embracing it and going out, mm -hmm. when was the decision made, okay? I'm putting the arm out, and 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 you're, oh. and, you're, and you're inking this. It was mm -hmm. actually my two kids. We had I had four children. Two of them call themselves the Adventure Squad, and so I've taken them to Alaska, New Zealand, Iceland, Greenland. I've taken them all over the world, and we were in New Zealand, walking down the street. We in that trip we skydived, paraglided, spelunked. That's how you say it. Um, oh gosh, we did over an eight-day period. We did some adventure like that every single day, and we were we had like a, a four-hour block before our next thing we were going to do. And we were walking, and there was a tattoo parlor there. And I said to my daughter, I said, you know, I've always wanted to have a shark on my forearm. And my son says, Dad, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And my daughter's like, Dad, do it. And so we went in there, and we did it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for your time Thanks this for morning. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot. <laughs> Ch chuckled a little bit. Covered some, covered a bunch of ground. Lots but I really, really appreciate your your transparency, your generosity in doing this. Awesome, Wishing man. you the best of luck uh, for all of us in this yeah, in the city right. of, of Houston as well. Tony Busby, thank you so much. Midlife Mail Podcast. Yeah. You've been listening to the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman, presented by Ends Group. Ends Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit endsgroup.net. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about Mascot Books. They are one of the country's leading hybrid book publishers, and they can take your big idea and transform it into a print or digital book that matches your voice and vision. Whether your story is one of growth, balance, success, or all of the above, Mascot Books will bring it to life. Head over to mascotbooks.com to learn more. 
I am a big believer that everybody has a story. Everybody's got a book in them. Not just the athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, risk takers, but everybody. You know you've got an idea for a book. If you do, if you want to put it out there, head on over to mascotbooks.com. These guys are the best in the business. I have known Naren Ariel and his crew at Mascot Books for years. I've had him on the Midlife Mail podcast. Go back and check that out. We've also had a couple of his authors on the show as well. If you've got that story in you, if you want to be an author, you can do it. Mascotbooks.com. I want to thank these guys for supporting the show, keeping the midlife male movement growing. Mascot Books. Check it out.